Father, thank you for your word and its ability to speak into our life, to our, what you've done to reveal through it, the things that mess us up when we are attempting to follow you and how to deal with those things and how to go through those things in a way that works, not just pushes the can down farther, farther down the road. Give us an understanding tonight as we start looking at these things, protect us from Satan and company and our own lust patterns so that the word of God can germinate within us and grow and grow a deep root in Jesus' name. Amen. Germinate. That is an actual word. Plants germinate. The seed goes into the soil. The soil and the seed have a shelter there. The, seed shelter, the soil shelters the seed. And when the moisture and the nutrients and the water and all that starts going into the seed, it germinates the seed. The seed starts working out. The word of God is the thing that works out in us when it germinates within us. We have to be willing to be fertile soil for it. Otherwise, it doesn't grow in us. It does, doesn't it? All right, red light, green light. A game that we played in our childhood where you have a leader and you have everybody else on the opposite side of the leader. The leader turns around, yells green light. Everyone on the other side runs or walks or moves towards him. And then he yells red light and turns around. And whoever he sees still moving is out. You guys remember that game? Pretty simple game, right? You're like, yeah, we played that this afternoon. Um, so it's a pretty simple game. We do the same thing in our spiritual growth. You probably saw a post in the youth app about a week or two ago, just before camp, that was basically the same kind of idea. Red light, green light. If you didn't, go back, check the youth app, because it's what actually led me into this next understanding of what we're doing next. Um, and so we've been dealing with spiritual growth and maturity. How do you grow spiritually? What is spiritual maturity? And we gave you Maria Audit. We gave you the sign, like at amusement parks, that said that you must be this tall to ride this ride. Um, some sad stories from my childhood involved with that one. But we talked about what spiritual maturity is, and we we built built this tower from 1 John chapter two verses twelve to fourteen about how you grow spiritually. But in order to grow spiritually, you first and foremost must have trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You have to have accepted the reality that you are a sinner that you are in need of a Savior, and if you don't choose to trust Jesus Christ, who is the one and only Savior, that you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. And if you accept those things and trust Jesus Christ to be your Savior, then the Bible says you're born spiritually from above, and you start off as a spiritual infant. And we dealt with growing from an infant to a child to a teen to an adult. We looked at that. We looked also at what God provided to us to grow spiritually, he gave us his word. The word is the, the seed that germinates within us. We're the soil. And the state of our soil it determines how receptive we are to God's word. If we are callous to God, if we're hardened to God, if we're hardened to truth, then we're not going to receive his word. And if we don't accept his word, then it's not going to grow in us. In James 1, we talked about a while, long time ago, probably about a year ago, we talked about the thing that stops God's word from changing your life is your choice to reject it. And if you choose to reject God's word, it will not change your life. Which means then, the opposite of that, if you think that you've accepted God's word, but it's not also then changing your life, then in reality you haven't accepted it. You just think you have. And we call it deception. Now, the word of God is the tool that God uses to grow us spiritually. It's how he gets to us his thought process. He's revealed his thought process. We looked at that 
and we saw that the Bible is the mind of Christ. How, how Jesus Christ thought is expressed to us in the Bible. And we saw that the Holy Spirit was that other thing that God gave to us and actually placed within us at the moment of our faith in Jesus Christ to be our Savior, that is the one who guides us into truth. He's the anointing that teaches us things. And so if we have confessed our sin and we're in a right relationship with God, then he teaches us. If we're not in a right relationship with God, the only job he has is conviction, where he shows to us where we've done something sinful, and we have to say, yes, I agree, and confess that to God, or no, I disagree, and I don't think that I did that. And whether or not we confess and move on or accept what the Holy Spirit's conviction is will keep us from growing spiritually, and that's what we're looking at tonight. We also saw in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, God's given four specific roles after Jesus left the earth until he returns for his church in the rapture. The, pro the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the teachers, the apostles died off, the prophets ceased to prophesy, and the, the evangelists and pastor teachers continued on, and they will continue on until the rapture. And these are the communicators, those roles are the communicators God gave to believers for equipping them with the word of God, and that's why it says his communicators. It's not that God speaks only to these people. No, these people tell you what God has said in his word. And the, to the best of their ability, and with whatever accuracy they understand God's word, will determine how well or not it can take root in you. If I come and tell you that God says that if you do everything right and give me $1,000 one time, that you'll go to heaven, it may sound great, and it may deceive you. You guys are smarter than that, most of you. And now you're looking around the room like, who isn't? <laughs> no, you're all smarter than that, probably because you all know better at this point. But if I give you bad information and you trust it, it's not going to do you any good. That's why it's a communication role. God has given us his word. This is the tool that we use to grow spiritually. And the four roles that God gave to the church age, the two that are working today, the evangelist and the pastor teacher, their job is to communicate not what they think, not what they feel or want or whatever idea they have. Their job is to tell you what God said, not to make up something off of it or new. And those three things we saw was what God provided to us to grow spiritually. So then the question is, what is it that keeps us from growing spiritually? We've mentioned it already a little bit, and Paul gives us some clues in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. Um, there's the whole chunk. I'm going to go right to, uh, we've got to read the whole chunk. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as infants, or as fleshly, men, as to men of the flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? Three verses. This explains to us the two things that keep us from growing spiritually. And while we do these two things, we will not grow spiritually. We'll get more knowledge. We'll get more time in a church or in, a, in what we think is a relationship with God. But it's not spiritual. It's not spiritual growth. Let's take a look at verse 1. There's two groups of people, or one group of people being described in two different ways. He starts off, he says, an I brethren. He's talking to spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. 
These are believers. He says, believers, I, and I believers, could not speak to you, spiritual brothers in Christ, as to spiritual men. This word spiritual describes the brothers as not being spiritually mature. Why? Well, look at the man aspect. The spiritual men, and ladies, this qualifies for you too. This is the young man and young woman and adult male and adult female concepts. This is the category of the spiritual man or woman, the teen and above. He says, I can't speak to you, spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ, as if you were spiritually mature as spiritual men, teens and adults. What's he say on the other hand? He says, but on the other hand, where it says, the word but, it means complete opposite here. But on the other hand, as to men of flesh. So he describes them in two ways. They're not spiritual brothers in Christ, or not spiritual men in their maturity, in their thought process, in their behavior. He says they're men of flesh. And he has to speak to them as men of the flesh. And then he gives a further description, says, as to infants in Christ. This word here refers to the youngest stage of the infant. Remember, the reason we had four categories here is because John and 1 John used four different words. One that referred to the infant. First breath until probably six to nine months, depending on where you want to make that, uh, as far as our physical growth process goes. The next one referred to the toddler, we, the, the children. This would be the toddler up until the pre-adolescent in physical growth. And then he used the teen, the, the adolescent, into the young adult, and then the adult from there. And he uses these four physical stages of growth to give us a picture of the spiritual stages of growth. And then he tells us how the infant grows spiritually into a child, and how the child grows spiritually into a teen, and how the teen grows spiritually into an adult. And the thing that stops that process is us not being spiritual in thought process, but being fleshly in thought process. On the board over here on the left side, I've defined these terms as we see this, see them um, later in verse 2 and verse 3 also. And those who are described as spiritual men, it refers to those who are spiritually mature, but it describes them as those who follow God's thought process and God. In other words, they think like God thinks, and they do what God instructs. And then you have the fleshly, those who are described as fleshly, and they are those who are using human thought process and following their sin nature. The sin nature is that thing within, within each of us that's distinct and specific for each of us that says, make it all about you. Make it all about how you feel. Make it all about stuff. Do as best as you can from your strength. And, and then at times it says, well, do the worst you can because who cares what someone else does. And that is all part of the sin nature. And when we follow that, we're developing thought process based upon this world and, this, and sin, and that's what this description of fleshly refers to, those who are following human thought process and their sin nature. And so while we do that, we are not growing spiritually. This is actually growing in sin. Fleshly operation teaches you how to sin better and 
continues to bolster the sinning you already know how to do. Spiritual operation is growing in Christ. Learning what God thinks. Following what he says. And both of those descriptions are given to us in this passage, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. Because I can't, I can't speak to you, my brothers in Christ, as to those who are spiritually thinking like God and following him. But on the other hand, I have to speak to you as those who are following human thought process and your sin nature. Those of you who are mere infants in Christ. Now, the, the word that's used here is different than the word used in 1 John. 1 John refers to any infant from that first breath up until the time where they transition to a child. But the word that's used here for infants refers to the youngest stage of infancy. This would be like zero to like three weeks in physical growth. As, a, as an infant takes that first breath and then grows until it becomes a toddler or a child, there's developmental stages along the way. However long that is, we could say just for physical growth's sake, it's zero or from that first breath to six months of age or maybe nine months. And that's that infancy. Within that, there's little milestones. Do you know that infants don't usually smile right away? They have to learn how to smile. They have to develop that. Sometimes they're just like, ah. They, they can't do it on cue because they haven't learned it yet. And then one day, and you guys, when your parents will understand this one day, one day, that smile will go there, yeah, and that's like a laugh. And you're like, what was that? And then it happens again, you realize they're laughing. And it's weird because it's actually really cute. But it's really weird. <laughs> but they have to learn that. It is weird. Queered? Good, it was a good try, though. Queered might not be the best usage of the, the combine of cute and weird together. <laughs> Queer means peculiar. All right. So that's peculiar, yeah. It's not used that way anymore today, but yes, that's what that word actually means. You're right. So, so what I'm getting at, though, is that within that infancy stage, there's certain... Okay, listen up. Within that infancy stage, there's certain, certain milestones, certain progressions that the little tiny infant makes. And as they continue to make that progression as an infant to the next part of infancy, the next part of infancy, they turned into, finally, they get to that milestone where now they are a toddler and a child. He's talking that these who he's speaking to, he can't speak to as those who follow God's thought process and God and obey him, but as to those who use human thought process and reasoning and follow their sin nature because they have merely had their sins forgiven but they haven't started growing at all why have they not started growing well it comes back to or goes down to verse 2 then in verse 2 he says I gave you milk to drink not solid food The word gave means to provide someone something to drink, specifically to drink. Um, if you've ever had animals or taken care of someone else's animals, you've had to feed them and water them, right? 
And it doesn't mean pour the water on top of the animal. It means to refill their water bowl. If you've had livestock or cows or um, sheep or goats or anything like that, you've had to go fill water in the trough. You've had to water them, give them water. You're not actually pouring it down their throat. You're providing it to them. And they, you could try, and they (laughs) have to go to it and drink it. What Paul is saying is, hey, I can't even talk to you guys and give you actual solid food. I can't give you things that you have to chew through to understand. I have to give you milk, the simple baby nothing. He says, I gave you that, but you have to actually drink it. He provided it in teaching to them, but they didn't actually drink it. And so he says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. What is he talking about? They can't receive solid food. The word able there means that they don't have the capability within themselves yet to receive solid food. And he's comparing now milk and food to basic teaching of God's word and then to the teachings that go beyond that. What's the basic teachings of God's word? Well, it's right here. God's character. And then you start to learn how to operate. And the reality of the the most simplistic Basic teaching of God's word for the believer is that if there's sin in your life, confess it. And if you don't do that, you will not receive the milk that then gives you the the nutrients and the, and the, the growth process that you need in order to be able to chew solid food and get past just repentance and confession into things like knowing how to have joy regardless of your circumstances. Like trusting God in spite of whatever you're looking at. Like knowing how to defeat temptation and then defeating temptation every single time. And so what he's saying is that if you don't actually take the milk of God's word, the basic instructions about repentance, changing your thought process on sin, and confession, agreeing with God on sin when the Holy Spirit convicts you, that if you don't do that, you're never going to grow spiritually. You're never going to be able to receive it. He's like, I I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you weren't able. You didn't have the ability to receive it. And it says, indeed, even now you're not able. He gave that to them in the past. In the past, they weren't able to to handle it. And so he says, even now, still, you're not able. We got a little bit of time for three. Here in verse three, he gives us the reason. What's the reason? For you are still fleshly. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to understand the difference between being fleshly in your behavior and your thought process and being spiritual. Being fleshly means that your sin nature is governing you. It's telling you what to think and what to do, and you're listening to it. And when Christ died for your sins and you trusted him, he broke the power of sin over you so that sin, your sin nature is no longer the master over you. You willingly submit to its authority. You willingly let it take you where it wants you to go. Why? Well, because you like what it suggests. If we don't like sin, we wouldn't do it. We don't like the consequences. We don't like the pain we feel afterwards. That kind of, ooh, I know that was wrong afterwards. But we do like the sin. Because if we didn't, we wouldn't do it. And it's the sin nature that brings that desire up, and we have to say, yes, I'm going to go ahead and follow this or not. 
And it says that he, they could not receive solid food because they were fleshly. Because they were using human thought process instead of God's thought process. They weren't accepting what God said is how to think and how to behave and trusting that. They were continuing to use the thought process that they could think through, that they could figure things out with. And it says then, with that second aspect, that they were following their flesh, their sin nature. And then he gives us this question. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? And we're going to get to that part next week. When we look back at verse 1, we learn from that that believers walk either spiritually, meaning obedient to God and his thought process, or fleshly, obedient to the sin nature and following human thought process. God's ways are not our ways. Man's ways are not God's ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. That's why it's renovation of our thought process. That the Bible says we are commanded to present ourselves to God so that he can change how we think. It's our job to trust him and accept what his word says. And if we don't recognize the sin in our life and confess it, we will never grow spiritually. Because spiritual growth requires spiritual operation. And when we're walking by the flesh, we're not walking by the spirit. Galatians 5 teaches us that. So right now you are either walking spiritually in this moment, submitted to God, allowing him to tell you his thought process and following him, or you're walking fleshly. Letting the, Holy, or letting the lust time that you have and the sin nature you have instruct you on how to think and what to pursue. And if that's the case, it's a pretty simple response. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That brings us back then to spiritual operation until the next time that we sin. We'll pick this up next week, Lord willing. Let's pray. Father, give us an understanding, we ask, of what it is to be fleshly and what it is to be spiritual. May we allow you to define that and to instruct us for that, taking our desires and our biases and the things that we want and rejecting them for ourselves so that you can purely have us as a blank slate to speak your word into. May we trust you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.